welcome to Creativity Conversations. This is episode 16, and I am always delighted to be able to talk with my friend Mer Monson. I'm going to read her bio, even though we know that bios are only placeholders. They don't really say that much about who we are, but they do say something about things we may have done. Truth and the freedom to fly that shows up when we uncover it has always been Mer Monson's favorite thing. As a master transformative coach, she works with clients all over the world from her home in the Rocky Mountains of Springville, Utah. She works as a mentor coach on the faculty of Michael Neal's Supercoach Academy and loves to explore life from a higher altitude through mentoring, podcasting, writing, speaking, and teaching. Creating an online cancer support community with other cancer survivors and volunteering with teen girls and their church leaders in her local community have also been fun places for her to play. Prior to coaching, Mer worked as a school counselor, adult ed counselor, and advanced body talk practitioner. She received an MS in psychology slash school counseling and a BS in family and human development from Utah State University. Her secret loves are tennis, any flavor of flying, we'll have to talk about that, and walking through life with her hubby and their three boys. Her website is www.mermonson.com. Welcome, Mer. Thank you. It's so awesome to be here. Yeah, it certainly is for me too. For anyone who is on the call or listening to the call who hasn't been on here before, we are just going to have a conversation about the nature of creativity. And after a while, maybe about a half an hour or so, we'll open up the call to anyone who is interested in asking questions or making comments and we'll see how that rolls. So maybe a good place to start is to ask you, Mer, what do you think creativity is anyway? <laughs> well, I've kind of been letting that question sit, you know, in the room with me for the past few days and kind of where I've landed is, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how helpful that's going to be. But there are there are a couple of things that have that have showed up new in looking again. One of them is that it's as I typically think about it, it's anything that's not the same old same old. Like it's anything that hasn't been said or done or written or painted or created before in our experience at least. And that that was kind of a fun place to look at it from. Like that doesn't seem hard. But then I as I love to do, I'd like to zoom out even farther and I just kind of saw the place from which it's made up, this thing we call creativity, and that li life is always lifing. And when we, we insert ourselves into that and talk about us doing that, then we can talk about something we call creativity. But I mean, we have infinite opinions about which creations are more important than others and which are creative and which aren't. It's just from that vantage point, I can just see there isn't anything that isn't creativity, that isn't creation, that isn't life, lifing. So if I were someone who was totally new to what you were saying, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I guess in response to that, I can just speak about my own experience of seeing what I'm trying to express. In really simple terms, it just became a step from it's all about me into it's not about me. Although I'd heard those words in a religious context my whole life, I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get what it was trying to point to until I saw that there isn't anything special about me, that I'm made of the exact same stuff that everything and everyone else on the planet is made of. 
the way I woke up to that was just to see thought, was to see how my, my whole experience and all the meaning I'd made out of it was created out of an energy that you can call thought. And when I saw that, what wasn't thought became apparent to me. It came to the foreground. And what would you say isn't thought? I have no words. (laughs) (laughs) It's what's before the words. (laughs) It's what's present in a room when no one's talking. It's the feeling of being alive. It's where love comes from. It's I mean, I, I could go on and on and on, but it's, it's something that is totally obvious when you notice it, but seems totally elusive when you can't see it. <laughs> but it's, it's beyond, it's beyond our, our ideas and our concepts and our opinions. Could you say it's a source or an origin? From out of which everything emerges. Yeah, yeah. And when when you when you glimpse that, or you have a sense of it, or a feel of it, it's like you you just get that we're all in the same boat. There's no special boat. No matter what we've been through, no matter our past, our history, our body, our psychology, our circumstances, like those are all irrelevant from that boat. So that opens up a whole world of possibility. Then. Well, yeah. Well, say more about that. (laughs) Well, just from my personal experience of seeing I'm not special in that way. Like, yeah, I still I still think of myself as a 48 year old cancer survivor with three boys um, married, live in the Rocky Mountains. Like all those things are still part of my experience, my past and even my thinking right now in this moment. But there's just part of me that knows I'm not all that, too. I love what you're saying. And here's what that's making me think of, is that not being special is actually very freeing. Because in some ways, that means we have more access to what's out there. The raw material of, let's make something, let's do something, let's be something. And the more I try to be special, have it be all about me, the less that's available. Yep, the tighter and smaller it gets. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So not only is there this infinite world available to create from, like it just doesn't even matter to the point that we're free to play when it matters less. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big component, I think, in my experience of the impulse to be creative. As soon as I start putting some parameters on it of how it should look or what I'm capable of or any number of restrictions, the possibilities start to minimize. It gets less fun. Much less fun, for sure. A lot less fun. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you articulate what creativity, however you want to define it, looked like to you? Was there a before and after where creativity looked a little more exotic or less accessible? <laughs> I love your word, exotic. <laughs> well, yeah. It used to look like a special boat. <laughs> that some people seem to always be in and that I thought would be really cool if I could be in. And I thought the only way to get in the boat was to try really, 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 really hard to make something cool and to have to, you know, muscle through my insecurity, to have to muscle through the fear, to have to muscle through trying to get it right. And that if I was willing to do that and to put all that in, I could probably create something kind of cool. And now... What does it look like now? It looks it looks like it's what happens when I'm not thinking about it. It looks like a fun game I can go play 
if and when I want to. But it looks more like a game. It doesn't look like anything super significant is writing on it. Like I'm, I'm okay if I don't want to play and I'm good if I do want to play. And it's just a whole lot more fun and lighter and easier. And I, I still have lots of thinking like I should do more. I should create more. I, you know, I have all that thinking. It hasn't gone anywhere, but I just care less that that voice is in my head. And I get that. And, and what I really love is that it's, I'm free. It seems like I'm freer to experience just getting moved, pulled into something, you know, like something sparks and Ooh, I want to do that. You know, like I just, I got this notion a few months back. Ooh, I want to make my website different. And so I just started messing around. Like I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have, I didn't know where I'd end up. I didn't even know if I was going to finish, if it would turn into anything. I just, it was just fun. It was like playing with Play-Doh as a kid. And there's just creating stuff, new stuff feels more like that, a lot more like that now. So letting go, like this, what's, what I'm hearing and the connection I'm getting with what you're saying is that letting go of knowing what the outcome is going to be takes a huge amount of pressure or restriction off of the game. Yeah, yeah. When we don't care where we end up and we don't make up a whole bunch of stuff about what it means. Yeah. I think I mentioned to you the other day, we've had a real blessing this summer with two little girls that are children of friends of ours who are swimming in our pool this summer. And to watch those kids in the pool, they go from being mermaids to being water panthers to being pirates and having in this whole world. And there's no thought to the end. There's no thought to how does this look? It's just this incredibly fluid flow from one idea to the next. And it seems to me that when we have less, as we have less on it, you know, as we are willing to just play in the sandbox, it comes to us. It's not like we have to go find creativity or do things that sound creative. It's as though we've opened this door to this infinite world of possibilities of how things can, we can play things, how we can play the game, whatever the game is at the moment for us as grown up, quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, you, it's easy to see that when you watch kids, that life has a movement. It's so funny, isn't it? Like that we, that we make up, that we're in charge of that movement or that we make it move at some point. Man, I've suffered from that thought. <laughs> I remember when I first heard about some research that indicated that we act and then the thought comes. So the thought, the action precedes our thinking. Oh, that changes things. Yeah, it's like I'm, who's I'm being done to. <laughs> <laughs> Something is moving through me and then I tell a story about it, what just happened. And yet, what what's the thought for from that place? I mean, what what is what what do thought and creativity have to do with each other? Well, you're the guest. You tell us. <laughs> <laughs> you're the expert. You've had oh. 17 of these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> it's all still an exploration. Oh, thought is, to me, thought would be part of the Play-Doh. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't create without it, right? That's one thing I see, too. I might I mean, take... not call it thought, but yeah. it's something. It's, it's the spark just... of an idea. The same energy. We may not call it a set of words in our head. Well, that's a good point because I was going to bring up the point that if I'm if I'm painting something, I don't know what's going to go next or happen next or or what color wants to go with another or what what what's going to come together. So I would say being in that flow is when there is less thought, but there's still something underneath. You know, it's not put this here, do that. It's not instruction. Yeah, it's not something that's happening in your in your world of ideas. 
Like I think of when I, when I sit down to play the piano, even if I'm following music that's in front of me, I'm not looking at the page and saying, that's a C, that's an E, that's a D, and I need to remember the F sharp to chords from now. And I mean, there's none of that going on. Like it's, it's just happening. Like, and I'm, and I'm accommodating and compensating and rearranging and coming back from mistakes and I'm not thinking about it. It's just mm-hmm. happening. But I think it's kind of a cool point that whatever that is that's doing that, that's thought too. I mean, we give thought such a bad rap. But the overthinking is is what can make it feel like it's not coming. It's not new. It's not fresh. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And really, the only thing that's problem is the over part. Thinking is just cool. It's just making stuff up, but re- rewinding it, playing it over and over and over again. Then there's no room for, no- for nothing. <laughs> then there's no room for anything new to come in. Yeah. And I guess I just noticed that it feels like a problem, but the moment you see it, it isn't. I mean, it doesn't need to be solved in that way. Just ignored. Yeah. Well, and when, and when I start to see that if I'm trying to think about every note is making it harder to, to play music, well, I'm going to stop doing it. I mean, the wisdom kicks in. There's, there's no in-between step where we have to make the wisdom kick in. We see it and it comes. It's lovely. I love it when there's less to do. I am so a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that one. You know what I'd love to ask you about is whether we attach a new definition to the word creativity or not, how you see that capacity or that expression in relationships. Because your background, as you've been a school counselor and adult ed counselor, you've had a you've had some experience in that world, let's say. What do you see as useful about the idea of creativity in relationships? How does it make it better or worse or change the dynamics? Well, that's a cool question. I think the the doorway there for me is, is in presence. And I'm guessing this is true for creativity in any context, but there's something that happens when we're fully with somebody where our, our thinking and our old ideas and our spinning, even if it's someone we've been with for years and years, Know, or a child or a parent or someone we have a lot of history with. There's just a feeling to being fully with them. And sometimes that's felt really hard for me with someone I have a lot of history with. But I mean, for example, I, I struggled with my parents for so many years. And the struggle that was going on in my mind about it made it really, really hard to be present with them or to enjoy them. But when I woke up to thought, as we were talking about a a little while ago, I saw that beneath it, the three of us were always fine. And it allowed me without any effort, which I'd been efforting to do for years and years and years, but it allowed me to just be present with them. For the first time in years, I could laugh, I could joke, I could respond, I could ask questions, I could be there without 35 years in the room. And there's just, there's something about seeing that's possible with anybody. Like the feeling really isn't different with my son, with my mom, with the guy in the grocery store I met 30 seconds ago. Like it's not different. It's the same feeling. And when we're present, anything is possible. When we're present, anything can get created in that space together. Any kind of conversation, any kind of action, any kind of fun any kind of, and man, that's refreshing when you've been doing the same old thing with somebody for so many years. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are times, I've been married for 25 years, I think, and there are times I look at my husband and I think, man, is there anything new here? Like, is there anything new? (laughs) You know, I mean, I've seen those eyes and 
that mole and you know I've seen those things for so many years and heard those words and heard those jokes and and yet there's something that happens when we drop out into now. You know I think you are the first person to have included the idea of presence in this conversation about creativity and it, to me that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense being present to the moment to the to the possibilities to new possibilities because when i've got preconceived notions about what should happen or how people i'm assuming people will behave then that automatically limits it limits my experience it limits their experience it limits it's as though i don't know it's as though when you're present to whatever it is making a cup of coffee doodling making cookies having a conversation when you're fully present is though everything expands around you. There's more room for somebody to do something different because there's no restrictions. There's no limitations. There's no expectations. It's all, it's, it becomes so much more open. Yeah. It's got a feel to it, doesn't it? Remember I was sitting across the, the table from my son a few weeks ago, and this is a son that doesn't engage much right now. He's 17 and he's really not interested in a deep emotional connection with his mother. <laughs> and I have a lot of thinking about him. And I was sitting across the table and we were playing a game and we were both looking down at the game. And I looked up and he didn't know I was looking at him, but I just looked at him, his arms. And I mean, he's six, five, it's really tall. And I was looking at his big hands and his arms and the top of his head. And, and it was like I saw him for the first time in three years. I mean, that was the feeling I had. And there is so much space in that feeling. There is so much possibility. There's so much, I don't know, hope in that space for something different, something new, something. Yeah, that's just, it's, it's gorgeous. So, you know, if we extrapolated this, if I'm present to something as simple as making a cup of tea, the experience can be transformed. I'm not just going through the motions anymore. I'm noticing the water boiling. I'm noticing the steam that comes out of the spout as I'm pouring the water into the teacup. I'm noticing the aroma if it's a flavorful tea and there is a sense of oh there's a newness to it and it's not so new that I don't recognize it but there's something alive more alive to it than when I'm just you know been there done that it's almost as simple as it really is okay just to do and think about one thing at a time and i'm i'm feeling how different what you're describing is from trying to be present. <laughs> you know, the difference between feeling something come through you versus trying to be creative. There's an effortlessness when we're just there. It reminds me of something Michael Neal said a long time ago about mindfulness. It's like, they go to, we go to all this effort to try to be here. Well, just don't leave. <laughs> You're already here. <laughs> just don't go. <laughs> and it, you know, we're always going to go. That's what our mind does. Like that's, it's really not a problem. But I love the simplicity of that. Just one thing at a time. And there's more than enough richness. It doesn't matter how many things or what things are in what order the things are, or where the things are taking you. It's just one thing. Mm, I love that. We're about at that time where I'm going to invite anyone on the call to join us in the conversation. So if you would like to share something, ask a question, wave, raise your hand, and we'll bring you on. And while we're 
waiting for people to become less shy. I would love to, if it's okay with you, to talk about your experience with cancer and being a cancer survivor and how that, since we're talking about creativity, how that experience may or may not have changed your understanding of what creativity means or could be? What an interesting question. I've never had that question. Has my experience of cancer changed creativity? Well, I remember early on after I was diagnosed, this really strong desire to do it my own way, to not follow the whole world of thought around cancer, you know, not respond to it the same way, not talk about it the same way, not not even think and feel the same way that we perceive the world does about cancer. And I loved that. I loved playing that game. And it wasn't hard. I mean, it was it was as simple as that, as a recognition that I wanted to do it my way. And I mean, think something as simple as you said, you're a cancer survivor. It struck me the other day. Anyone that experiences cancer is a cancer survivor. <laughs> it has nothing to do with living or dying. <laughs> you know, just simple things like that, that just having opened that doorway flipped on their head. And I guess I would say from a from a big picture standpoint, like it just, it showed me that that can happen with anything. There is no circumstance as a human being that cannot be experienced in a new way, in a creative way. There's nothing outside of that box. That's just really freeing. Like I'm never going to be stuck in a circumstance where I have to think and feel a certain way. I mean, that's just cool. <laughs> And wow, there's so much less fear in the room when you glimpse that. I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, there are moments where I, I'm afraid of cancer, but not really. Like we're, I, there's nothing to be afraid of. That's a pretty amazing statement. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it cool that we can know that and still experience fear all the time? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of I, a... I haven't conquered fear, that's for sure. But I know that there's nothing I have to be afraid of. Well, the have to part. Wow. Yeah, that makes all the difference. We're going to go to Gary. I've just enjoyed what you've been saying so much, and it made such sense to me. God, what a creative act to have cancer and think, well, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to make up how this is. I'm not going to listen to, I'm not going to go down the road that is the prescribed, proscribed way. I'm going to, I'm going to see what I do with it. That's a real act of creativity as far as I'm concerned. That's just, that's just shining creativity. I don't know if this is a question so much, but I'd, I'd love you to talk more about that because I'm, I'm, I'm really hearing things that are blowing my mind. Yeah. I remember one of the first things that struck me, Gary, was when I stepped into the cancer world was how different it looks from the outside versus the inside. Mm. I mean, we have such a story. We have such a, a script around cancer, right? And it includes everything from how a person feels about losing their hair to what chemo feels like to the fear to the, you know, I mean, and then the whole world of opinions about what should be done about it. And I mean, there's just, it's so big. Ugh. It's so big and none of it fits. Well, know? the point is it's irrelevant when it's you. Like yeah. when, when you're in the world, like, yeah, all those ideas are sitting there. That story is sitting there. But it really is irrelevant. And I and I had my own opinions and ideas about what should be done about cancer, but they were irrelevant too when I was when it was me. So I just in one way I could describe the whole experience as just like the rest of my life, in each moment having an experience and then at some point knowing what to do. 
like it was just that over and over and over again and we make it special and different and big and important and because it's quote unquote cancer but but it wasn't and and the uh, the coolest thing about it were all the gifts there were so many gifts inside that experience from the outside it looks like 100% crap but from the inside for me it was one gift after another, after another, after another. Gifts like, it's amazing what, what living, how living changes when you stop being afraid of dying. Man, that's amazing. Or just not taking another day with my kids and my hubby for granted ever again. Or like the moment when I realized there wasn't anything wrong. You know, that I glimpsed that place Nina and I are talking about, from which all things are possible and that in that place, there wasn't anything wrong. It was just all fodder for learning and growth and, and whatever. And, and then stepping into a space where I could hold, okay, I might be gone in a few years too. I might be around another 40. And being able to live in a space where I could hold both of those. That was a cool experience of being all in, but having nothing on it. Because I knew I couldn't, couldn't control it. Or the gift of being forced to surrender. <laughs> you know, I mean, what an amazing gift of realizing, oh my gosh, I'm not in charge. I mean, that was, that was the threshold of my stepping into it's not about me. Was that hard, that being forced to surrender? Well, I'd spent about eight years before that trying to, <laughs> it's funny, this comes out this way, trying to kill myself, trying to get better and feel better and do better. I mean, you would not believe if I listed for you all the techniques and therapies and strategies and modalities and that I was trying to do to, to be healthy and feel good and do better. And when that showed up after eight years of effort, which is kind of funny, it was like, oh, this is beyond me. I can't wield this. I can't put my mind to this and make it go a certain way. Like I, I just, I instinctively knew. And so that's, that's what I mean by getting pushed off the cliff of surrender. And oh my gosh, what a gorgeous world opened up. I wish I, I wish I could do that in every area of my life. <laughs> but I, well, I especially like what seems to me to be the spirit of adventure you went into it with. Like you were talking about how different it is from the inside than it was from the outside. The spirit of adventure that sort of, it sounds like you were almost saying, well, good, now I get to see what's true about cancer. Now I get to see what's real about cancer. Not, not all the stories and all the bullshit and all the tropes and all the stuff we've heard our whole lives. This is going to be great. Now I get to see what's true. So the, what a, God, what a wonderful way to go into it. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm five years out right now. And I, it's, I mean, if I, if it was five years ago, it might be a day when I'm in tears or I'm really angry or, I mean, I felt it all. I mean, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't, it wasn't flying high every day by any stretch of the imagination. Well, I, I get that. <laughs> but the beauty of it is that what, what stuck, what stayed, what showed up as solid ground was what you're describing was the freedom and the insight and the, the living from a new landing. You know, that hasn't gone anywhere. That's lovely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Gary. Let's go to Martin. Hi, Nina. Hi, Martin. That was, uh, hey. wow. The way you just shared that was just amazing. I, I loved everything that you've been talking about. Well, I guess I want to start off first by mentioning when you were talking earlier about everyone being in the, the same boat, the original thought that I had was, we're going to need a bigger boat that, uh, that initially came right to, <laughs> right to mind. I wanted to go back to that. If, if you don't mind. Absolutely. There's I, no boat, Martin, there's no boat. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. <Go ahead. laughs> 
Uh, yeah, because what I was kind of seeing and noticing was that there were, there was, there was like this, you know, this yacht up ahead with these coaches and people that I like, that I was like, wow, I want to get to the, to that point. And I'm in like the little dinghy hanging out behind that. <laughs> like Maybe if I row a little bit harder, I could catch up to them or something like that. And so when you were talking about that, I just loved the way you shared that they're either we're all in the same boat or there is no boat or whatever it is. So Yeah, I, I don't know that there's been any more transformative truth for me than that one. Then I'm no different than anybody else. I, I mean, I'm guessing this is normal for people, but I spent my whole life honestly seeing and thinking and feeling that I was different, that I was I had my own special wounds, you know, I had my own key messy psychology. I had, I felt so alone. Like I felt so alone and it wasn't, and I'd feel it when I was sitting with my family and I'd feel it when I was with my friends and I would feel it when I was traveling across the world in the midst of strangers. Like I just felt so alone. I don't even know what I saw. Really. I just, when I recognized that we're just having an experience from moment to moment and beneath it, we're all the same thing. We're all the same. We're all made of the same stuff. There's no way we couldn't be. When I saw that and felt it, it just disappeared. It just disappeared. I found myself. I mean, I was so shy as a kid. I couldn't even ask the teacher to go to the bathroom. Like I was so shy. And I found myself in lines to get on airplanes in a conversation with someone behind me in tears in less than five minutes. I mean, and I, I would hear myself say things to the guy checking me out at the grocery store. And I could just, I wasn't even acting like myself. There was just, there was this no need to, to pump up myself, to defend myself, to fix myself, to make myself do or be anything. Cause we were already all in the same boat. It's so much easier. Relationships are so much easier from that place. And yeah, it still looks to me like some people are cooler than me i mean nina and gary look so cool <laughs> right <laughs> but who was in the eye of the beholder <laughs> the reason the reason i can show up and just be dumb and make jokes and say whatever comes to mind is because there's nowhere to get to like we're already overflowing with love and peace and ideas and creativity and it's already all there it's like a fire hose man that's why there's nothing to be afraid of yeah, I, I love that. And, and a line that stuck out to me when you were speaking about your cancer experience was that the story was irrelevant. And I'm wondering if like all of the stories are irrelevant. I've been thinking about it too. I love that wondering. I love that wondering. It's so cool that even glimpsing that they're, they might not be has a profound effect. We don't even have to see it all the way. Thank you. Thank you, well, everybody. Gary, you too. That was a great question. I appreciate you asking that. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Nina. Even something as simple as wondering. Isn't it interesting how that is? I don't want to beat the word to death, but isn't that even a creative act? An expansion, I different I way of... Anything more creative than wondering. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's, you said it for me. Gary's got a, another thought. Yeah, it just, I, I loved when you were talking about getting to that place where you find out you're not special. Because I, I mean, like probably most of us, I had that for years too. And, and that sense of aloneness, even with people I loved or people with, with all that. And when that, uh, and I thought it was precious. I thought the specialness, there was some value in it somehow, you know. And when it started to just not make sense anymore and fall away, and I sort of got to that place that you're describing, which I'd call nothing to defend, nothing to pretend. 
it's so much easier. I mean, specialness gets in the fucking way of creativity so much because when there's specialness, there's going to be judgment too. Well, I'm not quite special enough. Oh, wait, no, wait, I'm more special than that one. And it just, it cuts, it just cuts off the flow of, of, of creativity. It's really created. I mean, it's really connected to the letting go of the idea of specialness, the, thought, the thoughts about specialness. Then creativity doesn't have anything. That's like a cork in the, in the bottle. <laughs> the specialness gives away the corks out. Yeah, I've always kind of hated that word special. <laughs> I mean, it just... Yeah, I had a love-hate relationship with it now, but it's mostly now I just don't, it's just disregard now. It just doesn't factor in. Just so much easier is all I was saying. Yeah, and it, it's it's one of those mysteries that the moment we see it, that's when we start to shine. Mm. You know, and, and from the outside, people say, wow, he's special. <laughs> it's it's the, the waking up to the fact that you're not that allows you to shine brighter. That's just cool. And it's such a mystery. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it blows your mind. <laughs> Continually. So I have a wondering about the word vulnerability, because I often hear people say, I'm afraid of being vulnerable, you know, when they try to do something new. And I'd love to know your thoughts about even that word, whether it means anything, whether it ever meant anything. Well, it's a word I used to use a lot, but only... Only when I thought I was special. <laughs> Tie it back into what we've been talking about. Like, I, I don't ever, I just wouldn't say that I feel vulnerable. I, I'll probably say that's, that's not true sometime in the next week. <laughs> but, oh, actually what's coming to mind is that this writing class that I've been in for about a year. What I notice is happening since my my understanding of who I am and what life's about has shifted now that I'm revisiting writing. I notice that I'm still writing my stories. I'm still writing what happened to me. I'm still writing my experience and my thinking, but it's from a place that where it's not personal, where I can just use it as a lens to look to the big picture through. And when you're standing in the big picture, my story isn't personal. And so there's nothing, there's nothing at stake by sharing it or any part of it. There's nothing to be lost. There's not, there's nothing, there's no downside. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas if I'm, if I'm holding it as mine and it's precious, if my story is precious and special, you bet I'm going to feel what I'd call vulnerable if I'm going to let anybody know about any of it. But when it becomes less mine and less heavy and less important, then why would it matter if and when and how much I share of it with somebody else. Mm, that's gorgeous. I see the delight slash fun slash pleasure quotient go way up with that perspective. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's another one of those paradoxes, yeah. those mysteries. Living a personal life gets so much better when it becomes less personal. <laughs> when it's less personal, right. <laughs> right. Living the impersonal life. Yeah. There's a cool name for a podcast. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about what happens when things are less personal is that the mind gets less busy because there's no need to tell a story about what's going on. There's an ease that happens. There's a lightness. There's a, more of a smoothness to it. You know, there's less resistance. It's more fluid. Yeah. All about the flow. Yeah. Which lets more come through. 
right? And in this case, the more the better. Yes, in this case. (laughs) That's exactly right. And I'm also just noticing how when something does come through, a a painting or a writing or a piece of music or a a new direction in a relationship, that we just, we don't take the credit. It's, It's not ours in the same way. And this is something that every creative person who's worth their proverbial salt says, it just came through me. I got out of the way. It wanted to show up. And voila. I think everybody on the planet knows what you're talking about. Mm. Well, that was fun. Yes, it was. I'm so glad you were able to get on the call with me. Me too. Thank you. Thank you.